This is Gaz. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3, which is Part 2 of my conversation with uh, Nathan Paul Isaac. He is the one of the hosts of uh, the Penny Royal Podcast. And if you uh, haven't heard Part 1 yet, go and, go and listen to Part 1. That was uploaded like on the 5th, May 5th, something like that. But you should check that out. How's everyone doing? How's it going out there? Uh, just wanted to have a couple of shout-outs here to... Uh, Getting a lot of countries, listeners from other countries that I've uh, never had listeners from, such as Kazakhstan, and welcome. Thank you for listening out there. Uh, Brazil. Brazil is fairly new. I think I had one or two from there. Germany, Denmark, Canada, France, United Kingdom. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for giving me a listen. You know, I'm, I'm really honored to have uh, so many listeners from around the world and give me a voice to so many different places and that's that's really amazing thank you so much but i'm not going to yakky yak here Uh, i'm going to just get right into the part two we have a bunch of big shows coming up i'm booked up through the summer so i'm good till fall uh with shows booked all interviews so you don't have to listen to me ramble through you know stupid newscasts so you'll all be super happy to hear that but uh, i'm gonna get quiet now and uh, let's get back to the interview with uh, nathan paul isaac and the penny royal hey everyone it's gaz and uh we are back with nathan isaac and penny royal and the magic of space and uh, continuing our discussion about the Penny Royal area of Kentucky and the absolute infinite rabbit holes that cover this entire place. And uh, we don't want to give away everything for season two, just like we want you to go and le- listen to season one. And you know, I'm going at the beginning of this. You should have heard me say, "You go listen to it. Stop what you're doing. Turn me off." Go listen to Nathan and Kyle and everyone over at Penny Royal and listen to this. But uh, I, 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 I'm such a fanboy, I have to beg him for more and <laughs> talk about a little bit about season two and without you know spoiling too much and uh, and where it's going to take him from here. Yeah, man. Um, and thanks again for talking to me. You know, oh, this was, is. You know. I was so excited. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I love talking about it. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's like, it, you know, we, we do, um, one of the things too, that, that, that's part of all this, that became part of all this is, um, after the show came out, we started a Patreon called the Liminal Lodge. Yeah. Um, and so people, you know, if anybody's interested in our research, you know, that's, that's where a, a lot of the stuff for the second season is kind of coming out there first. Um, a lot of the articles and a lot of the research that I'm into yeah, the, that's becoming a, a, a part of the framework of the second season um, it, is going out through that. And we do a live stream every Monday night, you know, for the group and, and stuff. So it, it's it's good. And then there's extended audio that I release every week for, that, from the first season. And then once oh, the wow. second 
comes out, that'll be out too. So. I gotta get yeah. over and get on that. And they, yeah, man, they can find that right at your website. Yeah, yeah, and on Facebook too. But you know, okay. go to Patreon. They can look up Penny Roll. They'll they'll find it on there. Um, but we've got a secret secret uh, Facebook group that we use uh, for um, for all the discussions. So anyway, but uh, uh, one of the things that um, you know that's kind of emerged out of that um, is you know divination is is a big part of the second season. Um, it's this a continuation of uh, what we, we kind of ended the series, the 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 first season finale with this idea of um, second order cybernetics and the observer and the way that we sort of create feedback loops and and maybe that's what some of these synchronicities are right and um, and so Darian and I were already researching you know, because of our clients and because of the work we were doing, um, data mining and information theory. But we started to dig more into this concept of second order cybernetics and Claude Shannon's information theory, you know, which is the the basis of of sort of modern technology. Right. And and that's based on uh, Gottfried Leibniz's um, uh, invention of binary. Oh, sure, sure. But you find out that binary is is based on um, something even older, um, something called IFA. Uh, And and, and so in the second season, part of the story that we're telling is all of these other folk traditions started to emerge. Weird connections, right? That there's just no way – there's no way that it's not connected. Right. This part – some of these parts of it – have to be connected um, because this whole EFA thing emerged and, you know, Dan Dutton was inducted into the EFA religion. He actually brought uh, EFA diviners here who summoned these Orisha gods here in Somerset. Wow. Which is, which is, you know, like people don't even know about this, you know, right. and there are people that were there that just thought some, some people from Africa were dancing, you know, <laughs> And didn't realize that really what was happening was that they were being mounted, yeah, you know, by these gods, you know, and in this weird, you know, in this ritual. And so, all of this, it's like once you start to see these elements emerge and the connections between Aoife and divination um, and information theory, you know, just a lot of that. That that's that's where the the second season is sort of that and and this idea of of roads and paths as initiations and, yeah. and, and this is something that has always intrigued me. And really it's, it's, it's why I think I, I made it a part of the second season when true detective, um, season two was about when they, they announced that they were working on it. Right. Um, I remember that the, the creator of the show, I forget what his name is. Um, he said that the second season was going to be about, uh, the secret occult history of the the U.S. transportation system, right? Huh. And I thought, how intriguing is that? You know, yeah. like, this is going to be amazing. And then it wasn't about that, right? Oh, of course. So, so like it involved roads, but it didn't involve this what I thought was going to be like a huge, sprawling, you know, fascinating thing. Yeah. But then I, but then I started researching that, right? Because I thought if he 
wanted it to originally be about that, and then obviously it wasn't. He at least had done some type of research and found something, right, that that was intriguing. And so then I started digging, and and I found things, a lot of things that that tie into this story and to Kentucky and to you know and and um, and it's just the same way, man. It's just once you start looking at this, you start to find these connections, and and some of it too is is more more a vehicle of right. what's happening here, you know, and a way to extend that to to try to understand it. I, I guess that's the thing too. Is the second season is really trying to build a model or a framework to understand what this phenomena is now that we know the things that we know, you know, like how sure. do we approach this in, in a way that we can glean something from it. And, and so that's the second season is really that story, you know, that Fantastic. part of it. Um, that's just crazy, man. And like I said, it, it, you know, for the most part, there hasn't been, you know, anything significant, significantly negative about it. But sure, I think for me personally, looking at all this, there's a there's a beauty to it. You know, there's this. It's like I said, it's like a natural mystery. It's like this weird feature, you know, of of nature or the nature of reality or existence that we're seeing the edge of some type of structure. You know what I mean? That yeah, that, definitely. And somehow, just because of the way this place is, it is, it's, we're able to see something, you know, that, that is, re- that reflects on us, you know, that, that reflects back at us once we look at it, you know, um, which, you know, John, was it John Kills famous for, for that statement of, you know, once you start looking at it, it starts looking back at you, you know, um, so I, I think, I think that's always an element of this. You know, right. and that's the whole second order cybernetics thing too. The whole yeah, thing. yeah. You know, it's like you know the system aware that there is an observer. You know, and the observer aware that there's a system observing the observer. You know, and and it and it becomes this. I mean, it, it's very existential. You know, I mean, yeah. all voices. But true, oh, man. What 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 a weird what a weird mystery. <laughs> oh oh, absolutely. It's. Again, it, it is a, just this entanglement. That's but the, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just like, that's, that's the thing, too. Like you said, there's this entanglement, right? And, and since the show's come out, I've met all of these people that are also sort of part of the mystery, too, that have yeah. had weird experiences. Or even like what you were saying with the weird connections to, to you know, JFK and... You know, the E. Howard Hunt stuff and the pan and the cicadas and you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's like, well, shit, man, are you part, are you, are you <laughs> part of this too? You part know? of like, you're getting called in there as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think I must have been on episode two where I'm always like, all right, how far is this from Crossville? Because <laughs> I need to make a, I need to make a pilgrimage. Uh, but I was, yeah. talk, I, I was talking to, uh, um, Walter Bosley and, and uh, Walter did um, the Empire of the Will series, and um, uh, he and uh, Rick Spence, you know, they they wrote that, and that's a fascinating. That was one of the, the sort of inspirations for 
um, the first season of Pennyroll because they had uncovered this mystery in um, San Bernardino. Huh. Uh, um, it's a great, it's a great book, and the series is great. But uh, the first book uh, involves these uh, weird murders that happened in San Bernardino in 1913 that Aleister Crowley makes an appearance in. You know, and this huh. is all historical fact. Right. Um, but what they ended up uncovering was that, um, that in fact, these strange murders and poisonings and things were part of probably a group of spiritualists that were right. performing, they were performing a working of some sort, right? And, and so like the murders themselves were not connected, but the way that they were murdered and the places they were murdered in on these like tuluric currents. You know, these these crossing of these uh, these lines of power, and you know, kind of like ley lines. Right. Um, when I read that, I was like, is that, you know, <laughs> the, that sounds a lot like the weird murders happening here. And then when you look at the dates that the murders happened, the places the murders happened, outside the two that really were the entry point, there were all these other ones. And so then I was like, is something like that happening if there is a cult? Right. It, is it sort of what was happening in San Bernardino in 1913? Is there a group here that's that's doing the same thing? And and so, you know, that that was a a, a big part of 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 looking at this too, and just and just being like, you know, what's what's going? You know, is is that a reality? You know, is yeah. some is somebody doing a working here? You know. Um, uh, the 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 Empire of the Will stuff too, man. That involved the group was trying to do a working to open the Panama Canal to usher in uh, the bounty of America. Oh, that's bizarre. And, and it happened though, right? You know, right. like yeah, yeah, it, it happened, and like they were doing it to try to do that, and then that actually is what a lot of people think that World War Two. Um, caused the U.S. to become a superpower, but really it was the Panama Canal. It made us an economic superpower. Sure. Um, and and they even think about this: that area where the Panama Canal is, that's where the the what's it called the uh, School of the Americas. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, in the MK Ultra program, right? Because it's not really the U.S. And they even in the World War on Terror, they were sending people down there. To be held, is, it has a black site, right? Right. And so that's weird, you know. It's like, it is. Uh, you know, the history of America very much involves Panama, and just in a geopolitical sense. But anyway, it just it just made me wonder about all this stuff because you know when you look at Kentucky, Kentucky is and this is part of the second season too, right? Um, Kentucky is a crossroads, like P- manifest destiny meant that all of these people in the eastern coast, these settlers that wanted to go west, they had to cross the Appalachian Mountains. And in order to cross them, they came through Kentucky. You know, they had to. And so it's like this mag, it's like a a convex sort of magnification of the whole eastern consciousness did sort of focus outward through Kentucky. And, you know, both both of the the president of the north and the president of the south were both born in Kentucky, you know. 
uh, you know, Jefferson Davis and, you know, uh, Lincoln, uh, were here and, and then Kentucky during the Civil War was always sort of a liminal space. You know, it was neither north nor south. You know, it was this, yeah. this, you know, and then even further back, you know, you think of the dark and bloody ground. And so that's sort of an aspect of this of like Kentucky as this, as this weird space where a lot of historical events were focused and happened, you know, very much so. Well, look at the, 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 uh, the, obviously there's the Hopkinsville thing, right? Right. But, but there's also, um, the Mantell, uh, UFO crash the, you know, he was, was it Philip Mantell? The, the, the guy that chased the UFO at Fort Knox. Oh, and, right, right. And he crashed. He's the only person that died so that we know of, uh, engaging a UFO. Wow. And, you know, that happened in Kentucky too. Oh, wow. this, this is something that's going to be in the second season, but I, I don't think it's anything they have to hide. But, sure. um, but, you know, we found out that, um, uh, Jack Parsons, uh, of JPL and, you know, of the, uh, who basically is responsible for the rocket program, you know, and for right. that, um, who was performing all of these ceremonial magical rituals, uh, which, you know, they made strange angel. The TV series is about him. Oh, wow. And, okay. Yeah. So that, that, that's about him. And, and, you know, when he did these, uh, when they fired these rockets off in the desert, they were doing, they were opening portals and doing magical rituals. It's why he got in trouble with the government because, they thought they were performing satanic worship while they were when they would fire these things off, right? right? When they were doing the development, and so at one point he gets stripped of his uh, of his credentials and uh, uh, of his clearance and is sort of fired for a little while. So he he gets jobs, gets a few other jobs for about a year, and one of those jobs was as a, a mine inspector. In Kentucky, oh, in the country, right? Which I was like, well, what are the odds that he was here? Yeah, you know that he was working, you know, working in these mines in the country ones. And so I haven't gotten to dig and for what? Like, yeah, and for what? You know, and then he ends up after about a year, he goes back west, and then and then is working at a you know back in the the program that eventually blows himself up, you know. And also that's where Scientology came from. You yeah, know? they'll run was living with him in his mansion you know right and, and so you know we wouldn't have scientology if if l ron hubbard hadn't been able to grift ten thousand dollars off of you know jack parsons and, and there, that's part of the story too like that's in the second season there's a direct connection between jack parsons florida this crazy storm and Darien and it's this weird and Aoife and Aoife's tied into it, you know? And it's like, well, that's odd, you know? Like it is. So I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, just, I I can't wait for you to hear it because, um, there's so much, there's just, there's so many other weird things that it's, there's just no way to put it all under that first season because people would be like, there's no way. When does second season come out? Is it out now? I didn't. No, no, I didn't um, think sep- I saw it yet. No, September the twenty first. Oh, standing, outstanding. Yeah. So, um, but I'm hoping to have it done in August. Um, I've still got a few more interviews and a few more people. That that's the thing about the second season is that it still focuses heavily on us, you know, right? And 
and our sort of um, <laughs> deeper slide into this, you know, finding out what whatever this is. But um, it involves a lot more people. You know, I've right. interviewed a lot more. Um, I've gotten access, obviously, because of the first season to a lot more um, what I would say are higher level researchers, you know, in into the paranormal that were gracious enough to talk to me about this weird mystery and what, what they thought right. you know, and sort of add their two cents um, to what it could all mean, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, I'm excited for everybody to to hear it. I'm going to do it. I have a third season plan, too. Oh, that's excellent. Which which um, hopefully if it plays out the way I want. And that's it. I, I don't think I could do much more some, after that. Well, unless something happens. You know sure. I mean? Like with what all has happened up until this point, I definitely have enough for three seasons to. Th- oh, you know, no doubt. You know, I mean, we I'm not even sure we completely broke the surface. <laughs> you yeah. know, cause we did uh, like Dolce. Dulcy, Dulcy, yeah, 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 and because that's that's purportedly in Kentucky, right? Well, no, Dulcy, Dulcy is um, in New Mexico. New Mexico, that's right, New Mexico. But but there are all of these stories of man, that that's something too. All these people have have contacted me, and they believe that there's this uh, underground alien base here, right? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's that's true. But but then, you know, I've interviewed some people that told me um, the, of a, a bunker they found or these stairs uh, just south of here that, that that lead down into some weird government bunker that's been abandoned, you know. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, just it, it's like, yeah, you know, with all the mines, with, well, yeah, definitely with the mines, but with all the caves – um, the Sloan's Valley Cave System and um, Mammoth Cave and right. Fort, you know, Fort Knox is just you know, it's Western Kentucky, which has uh, its own weird stories. Oh God, man! That, what a weird you know, basically, place. it's empty. You know, there really isn't gold there. There's something else going on. Right. You know, and that's where uh, um, not Anton Lavey, but um, the guy that founded the Church of Set. Um, oh, I. My brain's not working right now. Mine anyway. isn't either. I can think of his name. He's not an Aquino. Is it an Aquino? Michael well, yeah. Aquino? Aquino, but yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, like, he was there. You know, and then it's like... The oh, temple. he was there? Yeah, he was at uh, Fort Knox, right? And so so he was in Kentucky and did a bunch of workings here in Kentucky. Um, he's tied to a group in... There was a group of channelers that are tied to the Nine, which is a great story you know of, of, of the puharich and the government oh were, right you know connected to these uh these nine in- extra dimensional intelligences you know that which harkens to the oakwood stuff you know right and um and so it's like there were ch- there were channelers that were working with that group that ended up in kentucky called um uh, lnl research and oh, okay and so they were channeling, you know, there's a lot of groups channeling in the 70s, 60s and 70s. And Yuri Gager, or Yuri Geller is involved in the whole thing too, you know, and, and, um, this idea that there was an orbiting ancient satellite that, you know, kind of like the black, black night kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, Philip K. Dick reported contact with the same thing that his stories were being beamed to him from, you know, Vallis, you know, and um, and so there, this group that met Puharich in Mexico, right, and were down there. This also connects weirdly to the JFK assassination, right? The the, the threat, the threads of this are so insane that, but this group ends up in Kentucky, in Louisville channeling an entity that they call Kuwako, okay? Wow. And uh, Kyle and a friend of his ended up, like, I'm telling them about this stuff, and he's like, I've channeled with that group. And he and his his friend had gotten into it, and he drug him up there, and they channeled with with these channelers up there who had originally been part, you know, uh, tried to channel the, the nine. Well, in the 1970s, there was a horror movie uh industry uh, scene in louisville of all places like b horror movies right and, and on one of the movies uh lnl research this group was hired to come up with a ritual to that was like a satanic ritual and um that that looked believable right it was like a rosemary's baby knockoff right the, and uh um the version that they came up with wasn't scary enough because, you know, L and L means love and light. Right. So the right. group very focused on like, you know, channeling positive entities, you know, and these horror movie guys were like, yeah, this isn't edgy enough. So of all people, guess who they hire from Fort Knox to become a consultant for a week. Michael Aquino ends up on the set with this group of channelers and then he writes this crazy, you know, <laughs> summon the devil scene. Right. And one of the LNL research people in their memoirs talks about the experience. And it was like, that's a strange thing. And I think it was Spiro Agnew was touring um, the military base outside of um, this military museum when Anton LaVey was there the same day. Like they closed down the museum and for the, for Agnew to tour it. And, and so while he was touring it, Anton LaVey had shown up and they were like, you can't come inside because, you know, the vice president's here. Right. Then they told the vice president and he granted access and they spent two hours inside the museum privately together the head of the satanic church and spirit. And yet it goes back to the nine and, you know, both church of Satan and temple of set, they're ruled by councils of nine. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then you have Aquino being able to be traced back to transferring of us secrets between the U S and the Philippines, which he's in the Philippines and Gautam is in the Philippines. Yes. It just it just seems so much more like there's major spook operations are going on more than there's actually a cult. But why the occult? Again, it's almost like a Scooby Doo trope. You know, it's just it's so oh, bizarre. Another really fan, fascinating thing that kind of popped out was and this is in the second season too because I, I talked to um, psychic questers. Oh, um, because you know it, it did dawn on me that that a lot of this is sort of like the if you if anyone's ever read 
any of Andrew Collins's stuff or the there's the Greenstone, uh, the Eye of Fire, which were written by uh, it's a different author, but they were all part of the same group. Um, but Andrew Collins wrote the Black Alchemist. They're all stories of people in the 70s and 80s going on these being drawn. They were they were spiritualists. They were already sure. spiritualists. So they were doing seances and stuff, but they were getting communications that were from some intelligence that was driving them around England to find these swords, all right, and these stones. And it's a crazy story. It's real. Wow. And they actually did find a sword in a bridge, and it made the front of page of all the papers wow. in England. And so Andrew Collins has become pretty famous because of this. And so I interviewed some of that group that had found uh, the swords because they talk a lot, a lot about this idea of the spirit of place. And there was an element of random communications and, and just like receiving messages and receiving just weird pieces of information that drove them deeper and deeper into these mysteries. Right. And I, I identified a lot of things happening to us that way. You know, that the, there's an element of are we having some effect on the story, you know, through our intention, you know, through our sort of interaction with it. And um, and so that, that that was interesting to talk to them. So when I started looking at the psychic questing stuff, it actually comes from um, the Tibetans uh, have a tradition that's called uh, it's it's a type of psychic questing. Sure. And and it's called uh, what they're looking for, right? Yeah. Is is called treasure, right? And the word for for it that they're always looking for when they're psychic questing is terma. Right? <laughs> so then I was like, you know, is that that's kind of like a weird little inside joke? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, where it's like it's poking fun at us in a way, you know. And then like, you look at Buddha's actual name was Siddhartha Gautama. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's bizarre. That's interesting. You know, I wonder if that's because of the treasure part of it. It could be. I've never. It's. He was a prince in Nepal, I believe, or some little smaller section of India. And uh, you know, his his father wanted him to be a a war leader and a king and a prince, and they just said no. He's going to be a spiritual leader. So that's why he's like, no, I'm going to keep him away from everybody and from all people and I'm going to just grow him up. He's going to be a great king, great military leader. And, of course, womp womp. <laughs> For the dad, it didn't go so well. According to the folk legends of it, you know, he they finally, he goes out with like a handler and it's just like, what is this? Well, these are old people. We get old? You know, so some of it's a little, a little hokey and that I'm, you know, I, you can keep him chained up in the palace if you want, but there's no way he's not going to figure out that people get sick or that people get old or that people die. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. The good, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting, that's it an is. interesting angle too that I hadn't thought of. Uh, oh, wow. Hmm. Well, now you've sent me down another rabbit hole. Right. Cause I believe Galterma went from supposedly, Russia to the Philippines to yes. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. The Philippines connection too, man, keeps popping up in multiple ways, you know. Um it and it's part of the 
James Shelby Downard story, you know, with all of his, you know, that thing too. Uh, I don't know if you've read any of, of his purported no. things, um, but there's an essay, you know, that, that's an, that's an aspect of this, which I think has to be addressed is, you know, the second part of, uh, second season of Hellier involved the rebirth of Pan, which right. was written by Jim Brandon, right? Yes. But, but if you look, if you look deeper, you find out that Jim Brandon is actually the pen name or the nom de plume of, of, um, uh, a guy named Grimstad, right? Right. And so, um, he is, it turns out, is a very controversial figure because he wrote all of this Holocaust denier stuff. Right. right. And a lot of, uh, racist stuff. And, and, and he also is responsible for, Recording the uh, serious rising tapes with Downard, right? Sort of the first okay. recording of, of Downard, who was the who supposedly wrote this essay called "King Kill 33," which was that the um, he's he introduced the the concept of synchro mysticism, you know, oh, white, and this idea of synchronicities, and that there was this um, mystical toponymy. That the naming of places was because of things that would eventually happen in those places, right. and, that, and that underneath sort of the veneer of American society, you know, of, of hot dogs and you know football, like I said, is this underbelly, this ritualism and magic, and this this sort of dark plot. And he really thought the Freemasons were behind all kinds of stuff. Anyway, Grimstead and um, this guy named Michael Hoffman who also was part of the Holocaust denier movement and this, the American Nazi party, all that stuff. Um, they're really controversial figures. And, and, you know, when Greg put out, when they had the rebirth of pain stuff, I, I don't know. I don't think they knew at the time or anyway, it was just one of those things where it was like, they weren't trying to push, you know, Jim Brandon slash, you know, Grimstad's, uh, right. Work because you know his other things were very racist you know very oh yeah uh, you know terrible things but it's been a thing that that's popped up in this story of, of what we're researching there is an element of fascism that keeps emerging in this and um but definitely the 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 um you, you find out that that downard and 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 his connection all this stuff that that there that there are heavy elements of um yeah just that weird idea like um have you ever read any of the sinister forces stuff no lavinda um who's probably an intelligence agent but his his books are about the how the subtitle of the books are um you know a guide to uh American political witchcraft. I think that's huh. how, how he phrases it. So it's this idea that fascism is an egregore, you know, like a, a sure. force, and that it's the most powerful that mankind has ever created as a collective, you know, thing, and that it keeps trying to rear its head. That we didn't defeat it in World War Two, you know, that it's right, obviously, that it's gone deeper into society. So yeah. Um, so that's been a part of this, you know, and this 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 whole thing of, of Downard and and the mystery of how Grimstad is is connected to Downard and how Hoffman are, um, and who 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 and you know it's a big part of this is 
who was uh, James Shelby Downard because he ended up yeah. he was in Kentucky and he went to college an hour north of here. Actually, that area where the they were training the Sandinistas, that's where yeah. he went to college. Oh, was of course. That, you know, and so it's just a, it's just more weird elements and weird connections to um, I don't know. Yeah. Like, but it's a weird idea of darker forces in America, you know. There's but. so much connection to just intelligence, military, and occult. Oh, dude. And it's, yeah. it's it's what it keeps coming back to. One of the three, or all three, or two of the three. But it always seems to come back to that. that that's Richard Spence's, you know, whole whole sort of theory that a lot of this stuff is. And, you know, he, he's the preeminent expert on basically the occult and intelligence operations. And um, he, and when we were talking to him about this stuff, he was like, man, I'm, I'm telling you, if you find the intelligence operatives, if you find intelligence agencies, you're going to find the occult and you're going to find criminal organizations because right. they're all trafficking in the same thing, secrecy. You know, yeah, and, and it's just a lot of those people run in the same circles by by necessity of what they're doing, you know, and their purposes. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole like the JFK stuff. Sure. Man, I swear, I, I swear to like, and I'm fascinated by the JFK thing, but I I also think, and that we've talked about this in the the Liminal Lodge, you know, with our patron members a lot, that that's a prime example of of what I think the penny roll mystery is, is this, this idea, like when you look at the JFK assassination, there are so many different groups and actors and individuals that equally could have done it. Right. That could have been involved. Right. There are witnesses for each one of those dozens of, of possibilities and they're mutually exclusive of each other often. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like they all can't be a part of it, and they all weren't the ones that did it. But at the same time, it's it's like Schrodinger's cat. If you can't see inside the box, all of those things exist concurrently, right? Oh, yeah. And, and it's kind of like that with UFO phenomena and people that witness high strangeness. There's always an element of deniability, an element of not being able to firmly know what happened. And it's like that space is where this manifests. And even with the penny roll mystery, you find all of these different things that seem to be strands connected to a central piece, but you can't see what that piece is. And it's like in that space, this phenomena can manifest. If we were to tack down any one of these things, as as the truth or being behind it, it would like collapse the wave function, you know. Wow. And, and and so I I think with the JFK thing, my favorite part of that was finding out that Carrie Thornley, you know, who founded was one of the founders of Discordianism. Right. That he, if anyone's familiar with the the JFK uh, conspiracy, then they know about Jim Garrison in New Orleans, right? Oh yeah. And so the this, the book, the Discordian book, the first one, 
was was copied in Jim Garrison's office before he was entangled with the JFK assassination because I think it was Carrie Thornley's girlfriend was his secretary, right? Oh, wow. So so Thornley publishes all of this like the Illuminati, you know, he and Robert Anton Wilson and a bunch of other people, Greenfield was involved, were, were sending letters to the government and different senators and all this shit with the, uh, the header was a deal. They were the ones that spread this whole Illuminati thing. And obviously Robert Anton Wilson wrote the Illuminatus trilogy. Right. right? And they were parodying, you know, uh, conspiracy culture and kind of making fun of it. So, so they do all this and spread all these lies and make all these pranks. And then Carrie Thornley is in, um, he's at a location. I think it was a art gallery. Um, I can't remember where it was exactly, but he overhears, um, someone talking about assassinating, uh, Martin Luther, Luther King Jr. And that they, they, they were the ones that also did the JFK assassination, right? There's this weird element of that. But also, Carrie Thornley was the only person that wrote a book about Oswald prior to the assassination. Wow. Right? I think it was called yeah. Great Career or whatever. Um, right, but right. Oswald. And so, like, when you start to see that Carrie Thornley was connected to David Ferry, to all of these other people that were were intricate parts of this conspiracy, right? Right. And so, so after the assassination, Carrie Thornley kind of went crazy because he he tried to tell the government of his witnessing of this stuff, and everyone was like, "You've been pranking people for years, right?" Because Scordianism, so no one would believe him. It's like he created his own madness, and and it, but it turns out he is connected in like. I don't know, dozens of different ways to the JFK assassination. And that's yeah. why he's like, he started to ask the question, how is it possible that I have met all of these people and are intricately tied to this? And he sees all of his connections as meaning that there is a greater structure to it, you know, and it drove him, yeah. kind of crazy, you know, and, but, but to find that's just one individual who, who ends up being connected in, tons of different ways to this weird event and that's the number one thing too that you know you find out you know we were studying a lot of stuff about schizophrenia uh, because carl jung was um, studying uh, schizophrenia and synchronicities and um his mistress was one of the channelers of the nine right <laughs> and, and she was also the mistress of um uh what's his name um the dullies that founded the CIA. Right. right? Um, and then she ended up being, she's connected to Arthur Young and the, they were the ones that got um, Oswald an apartment in Texas. Oh, wow. Right. Oh. There's all these weird connections, you know, that tie all that together. But anyway, but schizophrenia was definitely a, a part of what we were looking at. And especially with channeling. And uh, one thing you find out is that Hitler, uh, before he, uh, you know, started killing the Jews. He um, he eradicated first all the schizophrenics, which was wow. weird. You know? But but so and apparently it's like I don't know, sixty five percent of all uh, political assassinations were carried out by a schizophrenic, as if there was some you know 
driving force. But the reason I bring this up is the number one around the world in all cultures, the number one thing that uh, people that are schizophrenic report or focus on is JFK. Yeah. And, and that's like no matter if you're in the East or West. And it's like that event was so publicized, you know, that 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 somehow it it, it burned itself into the the you know cultural consciousness you know so yeah anyway it's just another one of those like weird elements where you're like it 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 belies an underlying structure but like i said it's 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 seeing that there are these spaces created where this can manifest itself you know yeah and um, again it connects to oakwood oh yeah dude yeah you know again is it oh they're high functional maybe they were high functional and extremely uh schizophrenic Right. And is there an operation to test how effective they will be as, say, like a Manchurian candidate? Yeah. You know, maybe not so much that, you know, they still know what they're doing, but there's cues and triggers and. Wow. It's weird. And you think about Oakwood, too, you know, the the Oakwood King, you know, is Pan. And the whole idea of, you know, the, the warring kings that. Uh, it's just it's nuts, man. Oh, I found out something too. Uh, I just want to bring it up today because I thought it was fascinating. I was researching hedgerows, you know, because right. this, this whole idea of paths and uh, for the second season, and, um, hedgerow comes from um, the word for hawthorn, you know, because they used to the hedgerow, the hedgerows were formed from hawthorns, right? Right. And so they were actually um, hagthorns. Which is where the the phrase "hag" comes from, right? Wow. Because, because in the hedgerows they would plant. That's where you would go to get medicinal plants. Sure. And that's where you get hedgewitch from. Okay. Yeah. So so I'm looking at this and I'm like, uh, they're talking about all other phrases that mean um, this hag hagthorn and hedgerow actually also was uh, bread and cheese. Mm. Well, the word. And and so there are variations on that um, in various you know cultures you know in Ireland and in Welsh cultures in, in America, right. and they go through the different phrases that it means, and then uh, one of them is Chuck E. Cheeses. What? Yeah, so Chuck E. Cheeses, Chuck E. Cheese is a reference to hedge witches and hedgerows. There it is, the pizza parlor. The the sex trafficking. Oh God, don't say that. I know. <laughs> Someone will think this is what it is. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But, oh my God, that is insane. Isn't that weird? But I was like, that's a see. Now I'll never look at Chuck E. Cheese's. I couldn't believe it, you know. But it was true. It, it is a phrase. That's where that phrase comes from. It is a reference to um, this Hagthorn. This 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 phrase of of hedgewitch and hedgerows. So, you know, there you go. I know I was on Beltane. I'm looking up. I know. You know stuff. I was like, what? This is crazy. You know. And, and also, I found that the um, you know rabbit hole, the whole concept of rabbit holes, comes from the Irish um, goddess that would transform into a rabbit and. Uh, they believe that they, you weren't allowed to in Gaelic Ireland, you weren't allowed to eat rabbits because they were sacred, like cows oh, wow. in, in India. Yeah. And so, uh, because they believe that they were 
these this goddess transformed or or witches would transform into hares right and so uh anyway the the concept is that um down the rabbit hole we often associate with uh you know um lewis carroll yeah right you know but really what he was basing it on is this myth of the hare in fairy folklore and in ireland that the the hare because it would go down the rabbit holes that that's how you would access the other side they, that's how you got to the spirit world was down a rabbit hole and the hares would travel back and forth and and carry messages and so right. that where rabbit hole comes from is is this idea of being able to get cross over to the other world you know as a pathway which i thought was fascinating that is fascinating and you see you see, you know, roads or ways or things like that being so much also entangled into ancient mysteries, like the Eleusian mystery. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like that. Yeah. It's weird, man. I mean, it is weird. And we don't know what the Eleusinian mysteries were. No. You know, you know, no one has ever revealed that. That's one of the great mysteries of humanity is we yeah. don't know what those mysteries were. Whoa. And it was such a powerful piece of knowledge that yeah. no one has no one's given up that secret you know mm. it's never come out what no. that was. it's like is it this is right. this what we're interacting with you know is yeah. it, are we somehow getting to interact with whatever this phenomenon is and, it, and is it partially it needs our interaction to to be viable look at skinwalker ranch right you know? it takes the people being there in order for the phenomena to to appear you know, it, it's not like it's independent of that, and it would and it would fire up. I've talked to some people out west about that are that are researchers at that area, and they had um, one guy that who's fantastic. Um, he he has a property that's adjacent to it, and he's a great researcher. And he and I talked about it because he he saw a lot of correlations with the Penny Royal mystery with stuff that was happening. You know, at Skinwalker, um, and there are a lot of like weird correlations with that phenomenon, that idea of something attached to that landscape, you know, in that specific area. Um, yeah, I mean, look at that tendril too, you know. Yo, yeah, I, it's. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't... I don't know. I don't know how you keep this all together into a focused direction. I, I have to commend you for that alone. I wouldn't even know where to begin anymore. It's just—it's like pick a tendril and follow. And now I, I found some weird stuff connected to cicada three three zero one. You know, right? Uh, and you know, because that's weird. They're using cicada, and that's you know pan, and uh, but I. Has had a weird connection to the whole John Teeter story, with, you oh, know, right. Coast, which is obviously a hoax. You know, we know for sure the guy that that did Ong's hat, you know, came forward, and it really was him. You know, you can tell it it's yeah. you know what's story, but that still had some elements that sprung to mind with Cicada three three zero one, and I looked some stuff up, and it tied all the way back to Somerset. Today, you know, and so Darian tonight's like, I'm going to dig into this, man. This is too weird, you know. And it was just like one of those offhand things. I was like, 
could that be a thing? You know? Yeah. And then started pulling a bunch of documents and it was like a whole new rabbit hole. And it's still one of those things where it's like, is it that, you know, like, is it, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe some of this stuff because oh, it's like, sure. you know, what, what is, it is something, you know, it, it, it is a, a phenomena of some sort, but I just, I just don't know. But that's the thing. I, if we could define it, I don't think it would, make itself it would not manifest for us if we could define it right right like i said it's the journey you have to go down the hole you can't just you know find the hole jump to the bottom there's something more there's some there's a lesson there it's almost like a like a zen koan you know it's you're you're like this the that's the second time i've heard that someone else sent me that I sent me a message about that saying that um, that I should look at koans yeah. because there's an element of that here, you know? But when you get a koan, it, it's to take you out of conceptual thought. So I, I, I started following Zen Buddhism, you know, and meditation and things like that right out of high school and ended up sitting with a lot of different Zen masters around. Cause as I traveled with archeology, span I tried to find centers so I could go sit with different teachers and koans are tackled differently. Whether you're in Korean Chan, which is their form of Zen or whether you're, you know, Japan, which was more patriarchal and, or whether you were, you know, in Korea, it was more the farmers and the, and the you know the the villagers that were practicing it versus Japan where it was the aristocracy, but you get these koans and like the, you know the in the Korean tradition that I was in, they might hold up, let's say a lighter, and they'd be like, "What is this? If you tell me it's a lighter, I'll hit you a thousand times. If you tell me it's not a lighter, I'm gonna hit you a thousand times. What is this?" And in the end, they're kind of wanting to get you to get beyond conceptual thought. So you take the lighter and you, and then hand it back, you know, and they, they want you to get, cause if you're like, all right, it's, it's a lighter. Well, what does that mean to someone else? It's lighter. It's less weight. It's this, it's that you yeah. start creating these conceptual thoughts, which again, we do, you know, going down the rabbit hole of, of Penny Royal in that area. Or you can start just pulling everything away and you get down to the absolute, what is the best way I can describe this without using words, which are, which are terrible ways of communication and just get to the heart and, and the idea of what this lighter is. And that's to that. And if he holds up a pencil, you take it, you write it, write on something, hand it back. And again, that's, this is that only koan, but it's, it's wanting to break down your conceptual thought of things. That's so true, man. And I mean, that's fascinating too. I mean, because you know, it words are so messy. They are, and, and subjective. Yeah, yeah. And that's the you know that's the thing too. I was saying to a friend of mine earlier tonight, we were talking about this, and and last week we did an experiment where we uh, Darian had built these um, random number generators, Ooh. and um, we did a remote viewing experiment in the lodge where um, the lodge members from where they were attempted to remote view some targets in the studio with us. 
And then we had this uh, random number generator set up with it set to a really low um, Shannon threshold. Right. So if the randomness in the local area dropped below that threshold, that was highly unlikely. And if it did, then that meant um, that probably there was an effect. You know, like if you decrease the randomness and it becomes more certain, that typically indicates an effect on reality. Right. right? And so we hooked up a light bulb through this switch to it. And so the light bulb would light up every time the entropy would drop below the Shannon threshold, right? And and so while we did this, there were all of these weird uh, times when it would stay on for like eight seconds. Oh wow! It was crazy, man. It was it was um, anyway. So I was telling I was telling my friend about this, and and telling him that you know the way we communicate, even in me telling him that story, right? There is what Claude Shannon, who created information theory, had studied this whole thing with entropy. He his his idea was that there was noise, and so even you and I talking, you're you're getting this signal, right? And right. you're understanding what I'm saying. But there's also a ton of information that I'm passing to you that your brain is filtering out because it oh, doesn't. Yeah. Right. And so like, there's more. To what I'm saying to you and what you're saying to me, then what we're processing or the people listening to this are processing right. their noise in that signal and that we filter out just because we don't need it for survival. Right. And so it's like what what exists in, in that noise that we can't perceive? And is that where this sort of resides? You know? Yeah. Now, have you ever heard of a. Uh... Random not random nautica. Yeah, dude. Yes. Yeah. 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 I yeah. just have you ever have you gotten to play with that out your I way and I have not done it. But you know that's what when I was talking to the guy about psychic questing, a lot of times those psychic questers would sit in circles and then a person would just name the first image that came to their mind and then everyone would try to figure out where that tree in a field was. And then subjectively, one person would be like, I saw that on the way to work. And they'd all drive there. And it didn't even need to be the actual thing. Right. They would go there. They would find something. And then like a, a something buried or something on the sure. side of the road. They would sit in another circle, focus on it. And then another random person would just name something that pops in their mind. And then they would go to the next place next that they place. thought that was. Yeah. And it's like. There's a heavy element of, of randomness, of true right. randomness. And because a lot of randomness is pseudo randomness. You know, right. a lot of the, the, so it's hard to get an actual random, you know, source. And, you know, quantum computers, and that's where the random nautica thing, you know, they're, they're tied into one of those, uh, APIs from one of the quantum computers. Right. Know? And, and it is spooky, man. It's, it's a form it is of spooky. You know, it's divination. It's definitely divination. You know? Oh, hundred percent. And then seeing, hearing, and seeing some of the stories, I could do. I've been thinking about doing a whole episode just on Randonautica. You should, yeah, because it's it's too bizarre. And the stories from finding bodies to, yeah, you know, I. It's funny. I I played with it briefly, 
And the first one I did is I'm like, oh, okay, I, I wanted to go with something hokey. I went with True Love. <laughs> it, it was in the back, it, right smack dab in the backyard of my ex-wife's house. Really? Yeah, where, you know, my, my two oldest are. And I'm just like, okay, and I'm good. I'm going to close that for the day and <laughs> move on. And she doesn't live, we don't live very far apart, but for it to just pick, of all places, you know, my ex-wife's backyard. And, you know, not that I'm holding some flame still for my ex-wife, but, you know, I just saw it as my kids are there. So maybe it did nail something, you know? But so weird. That's weird, dude. That's a strange story. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I, I, I have nothing, if not plenty of strange stories. Wow, man, that's weird. Do you have a lot of strange things happen to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think that with all the the again the the fucking pan shit and then the connection to the JFK stuff, it all is like, well, shoot, man, you're you've 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 got the you know the um, you've been irradiated by the weirdness too. You oh, know I, I have, and I end up in weird places. I went to the uh, to the. Uh, Boy, what did they call it at the time? But it was the celebration for six six two thousand six that was held by the Church of Satan in the uh, in the uh, the Hellfire Caves in England. You went to that? I got to go to that, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother that's bizarre situation. Um, I was a runaway as a kid. Um, ran away, lived on the street in New York City for. Uh, close to a year and but we we ended up being the group i was with ended up being kind of cbgb kids so we met all these people that we just thought you know i was 13 you know i just thought they were a bunch of jerk offs that you know play music but you know it it was i i got to meet the germs i got to meet the ramones debbie harry and it was just weird and random how i mean how many runaways just run away and then meet these people that's really that's weird too dude yeah yeah I, i'm awful of weird it's awful of weird <laughs> See, that's what's strange too is like you you know like you you met e howard hunt you know you met yeah. these right so darian has a similar thing where it's like you know he he's in kentucky of all places right yeah. you know he's doing web development app development and he ends up you know, we we worked together, but it was through him that I, we started working with these people in in New York City developing apps. And but prior to that, the same group, he ended up uh, meeting the owner of C-SPAN, right? Oh wow! And, yeah, so he's like has this story where he's like they're pitching an app to that guy. They're on his yacht. Um, that guy uh was in a relationship with Obama Obama's chief of staff or something, you know? Oh, wow. and so like, while he's there, it was like the last day that Obama was in the White House. Huh. And so like they they call or he calls that guy to ask him what he wants for dinner later that night when they were gonna meet up on the boat and he was gonna fly down. And in the background Darian can hear Obama talking to him. Oh right? wow. And and so it's like, and then Darian just ends up in these places with these like very famous or very significant people, you right. know. And it's like he doesn't know why, and it, you know, but but somehow it seems it seems significant, 
in a weird way. Yeah. You know? And it sounds like you've had that or yeah. you continue to have that kind of life, you know. Yeah, it's just in just so many connections with with all of this and with Crowley as I would um I was baptized into Thelema and also was a member of OTO. Were you? Yeah. I, I I grew up in a very highly Masonic family. So it was always it was always of when you join, when you join. And I joined, you know, and there's only so many hot dogs you can serve at, you know, Newark, Delaware Day. <laughs> you know, before you're like, Well, wow, this is really boring. But you know, I, I really was interested in old Freemasonry. Uh it used to be a lot more occult and a lot more ritualistic until Albert Pike changed everything and uh several other members that rewrote rituals getting rid of things like the rite of memphis and some of the more occult ones were where crowley took those rituals and added them into oto but uh yeah i was i was a weird kid you know everyone else you know was talking about baseball players or their heroes you know i'm like oh i like cornelius agrippa and people are like well who the fuck is that (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I was a weird kid in the library, you know, reading about John D and Edward Kelly and Cornelius Agrippa and Alistair Crowley and and uh, even Anton LaVey and just being like, well, I want to I want to learn about it all. And then you were you were talking about fascism and, I, and I'll probably get a lot of crap from this from some listeners, but I don't care. But it, through the through the early 2000s and even coming into the mid 2000s, there's just this expansion of what I felt anyway, was this, this fascist sort of movement within things like church of Satan. Uh, they had this group, it was called, uh, what was it? Temple of the vampire, some shit, but they, they really, made it very fascist, you know, is down to even very Nazi looking flags and people wanting to wear uniforms. And there was this whole kind of subdivision within the church of Satan group that just became very fascist. And I think there was just a lot of bleed over in the temple of set and things like that. But the, the occult world is weird. And now the, the kind of the, the budgeting new, I don't know how new, really, but the the thing that's gaining strength now is chaos magic more and more. Yeah. So yeah, you have, yeah, you have groups like uh, called the D, um, DKMU, which is very Discordian and sigil magic and uh, creation of egregores and um, things like that. So it's that seems to be the newest popular trend in occultism is coming in using more sigil and focused intent and how to get from oh, okay i have to do this huge ritual down to now i can just sit down and think about it and direct my intent so it's it's fascinating and there's correlations yeah the I, that's one of the things that's part of the second season too is is like why was there this spread of fascism and racism in yeah. in mysticism and paganism in America right. in the 1980s, starting in the 1980s, and then in the 2000s, and then you know, and and 1990s and the 2000s, and even to today, even with the QAnon stuff, and right. 
and like conspiracy theorists, you know, people that actually call themselves that, right? You know, how how they don't even realize that they're being influenced by this, you know? Yeah. Oh, hundred uh, percent. That's because you know, even with you know Adam Parfrey, you know, published all the Feral House stuff. Um, yeah. And that was that was Downard's publisher, you know, right. for all for all these things. But you know, Adam Parfrey was connected to uh, Michael Moynihan. Mm-hmm. And uh, this whole 1980s sort of um, satanic magic groups that were dressing in Nazi uniforms and yeah. were pushing things like Siege, you know, and yeah. these 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 books that were, you know, I mean, there's just it was a lot of racism and fascism right. in it, and it, it somehow it was tied into, you know, this study of Fordian phenomena, yeah, and, you know. Because that's what you know. That's what Grimstead and Hoffman and those guys. Those are Fordians. You know, those guys oh, yeah. are are. You know, Grimstead also is the guy that wrote the essay on the Fayette factor. You really? know, this idea. That, yeah, that every place. Yeah. yeah. So he was in Lexington, Kentucky. You know, an hour, a little over an hour north of here, and then he was in Cincinnati, and that's how he found Downard. You know, he was, right. he was studying there, but you know, here here these fundamental parts of if, if you're somebody who's like into high strangeness and studying weird phenomena, you know, you've heard all of these stories and they're foundational to that sort of viewpoint. But the people that wrote them were fascists. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, what, what is the underlying thing there? You know, because even with the rebirth of pan, that concept of landscape he's talking about, you know, right. is, is not based in, I think, Native Americans, but that there were white people that existed with, and that had these technologies. You know, even with the sure. ancient alien stuff, you know, yeah. there's a heavy racist element that, well, it couldn't have been the indigenous people. You know, there, there were there were white Atlanteans that were, you know, oh, operating right. or whatever. And it, and it becomes this weird thing that, you know... It seems to be connected some way. And some it, way. it is, you and know, some fascistic thing. It's yeah. interesting that Sirius comes into it again. Because God, I, you look at the, uh, oh, I'm going to forget the name of the tribe, African oh, tribe. Oh, the Dom- Yes, Dom- yes. Yeah. And they're connected to the star people and from Sirius. And then uh, you, I believe you, you talk about it on your, on Pennyroyal about the, the, the con- well, not controversy, but I guess like a proposed war that was going on between o- the aliens from Orion, which were apparently the bad aliens, and right. the aliens from the you know from the Sirius star system, and it's just it's, it all it's, sounds it's amazing. Well, think about the think about the one thing that's always intrigued me about the UFO contactees, right? And you know, and some of that stuff comes into play when you think about. Um, uh, oh, one of the guys, George Hunt Williamson. Okay. Who was, you know, who he had one of the contactee things. You right. know, he was like a during a hoax. You know, he he knew he was at a party, dressed as an Indian, uh, that Guterma was at in Palm Springs, right? And a bunch of other people in in the story were all at this Palm party. Springs. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, yeah it's a course, you know. And uh, so anyway, it, it's just like 
these these contactees are talking about Venusians, right? Right. Or or and were there Venusians, or was it some type of I don't know. <laughs> just so many weird things where it's like, are there some astral entities that we're talking? You know what I'm saying? Like, is this on another level that there are intelligences that coincide with the space that Venus is in? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To, and it's like, I don't know. It's was everybody just fucking nuts or? <laughs> <laughs> well, were they were they being communicated? With? Right, you know, were they were, were they talking to some intelligences? One of my favorite stories is um, the book "The Vertical Plane." Have you ever read that? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. It's, it's the guy that he's in a it's like a 1600s uh, cottage in England. You know, a lot of the buildings there, you know, four or five hundred years old, and so he was in a cottage that was really old. And he had a BBC BBC One computer, which was, was like you know an early computer, right. and uh, he would wake up, and there were messages typed on the screen in old English, and it and so like he starts to communicate and type messages back, and it's this guy that apparently is living in that house 400 years earlier, and so it's like he's sending messages backwards in time. And this guy's communicating with him as if he's a ghost. It's really weird. Wow. But then an, another group starts contacting them, right? And they're like, this is 2209 or whatever it is, you know. And it's like a group from the future who are saying wow. they're conducting yeah. an experiment that's allowed him to contact this guy in the past. And then another intelligence comes forward and says it's like, a hundred years in the future from the other group and not to trust the other group. Right. Right. And so, so then enters this trickster element. So it's like, is which voice is real? Is he actually communicating with someone from the past? Is there an effect on, you know, time and retro causality? Right. And then, so then from that same time period, there were a few other people with that same model of computers the BBC of one that also reported similar messages. So, and it was a special type of computer that used, um, all oh, these analog tubes. So that I've always wondered if it was that design of that particular computer, right. That some permitted this communication to happen. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, um, anyway, but that's one of those things too. Where it's yeah. Like, yeah. I love stories like that where it's like, what are the intelligences that we're interacting with, you know? And, yeah, and yeah. It, is there a trickster element? Because I, I think the nine, uh, anything that's channeled, I think we have to be careful about. Oh, you agreed. Know? You know, well, so sure. even with nine stuff and, you know, the book of raw, right? All right. that stuff. Uh, and the, the LTL people, that's the book of raw is from them. Or the L and L people. I'm sorry. Uh, the the love and light in Louisville. Yeah, the yeah. That, they channeled the raw literature originally, and then when the raw literature stopped coming through with whoever it was, uh, Carlo Ruckert and um, another guy, there's three of them. When he died, the raw communication stopped, and that's when they started channeling this entity hmm. called Kawako. Right. Right. And, uh, so anyway, but that, even that stuff. 
there's a weird connection to the story that I that we haven't can't really we didn't put in the series because it's a personal thing tied gotcha. to something. And but it involves channeling the raw literature. Yeah. And I I'd never interacted with it until that happened. And then I was like, well this is weird. You know, like again, weird communications uh coming through that you just it, it, it's it's you struggle to understand why you know what I mean like yeah why does that even have to do with anything you know um, but yeah I always wondered about the the contact tees too it's like <laughs> are there Venusians also also there's the racist element there the Nordics and the, yeah <laughs> the right right you know like were you know like these blonde hair blue eyed people and you know Kyle. Cadell, you know, that, that mm-hmm. runs the museum. One of my favorite stories that he has is his UFO encounter where he was, before he had a museum, he had a bakery in Whitesburg, of all places, oh, wow. <laughs> where Dan, <laughs> you know, experienced. <laughs> but he was driving, doing deliveries, and he was coming around a curve in that area, and it's out in the country. And he said that it happened, and he didn't, he wasn't cognizant of it until. A week later, he was driving the same stretch of road, and then suddenly his memory came back that the last time he was on the road, he came around the curve and saw a UFO, but he said it looked like one of those weird Nazi UFOs where you could see the rivets on the outside of it. And it's like, it doesn't make sense to think of a saucer that can travel into space that has bolts. Uh, No, no, that wouldn't work. Yeah. And, and, but but you know what I'm talking about that, yeah. that Nazi yeah you know, UFO. yeah the, the Nazi discs he, and yeah he said it looked exactly like that it was hanging in the air mm-hmm. above this hill and then he and then his memory went blank and then he was driving 20 minutes or 20 miles down the road wow and he doesn't know what happened right and he had some lost time so you know. I, th- I think that's it, you know. What what is that? What does that even mean? Right. You know? Yeah. There, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of puzzle pieces, and none of them are edges. Right. <laughs> it's it's like that that puzzle that's it's a round red circle, and it's on the other side, it's a round red circle, and you have to put it together. Yeah. And but I think the edges are, you know, they're not they're not a line. But yeah, it's just I, again, I, I don't know how you keep it all together. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's so fascinating, man. I mean, I, I, I definitely love, you know, I love having the opportunity to dig into this story. I, I love that I get to tell the story. You know what I mean? Like it's a, I guess that's been a, an aspect of this. And 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 this is something I, I say a lot, but I think it's absolutely true is that. You know, there's an element of this where, like, that mine, that Guterma owned, right? Yeah. If if we didn't tell the story, right, if we hadn't looked at this story and dug into this mystery, that place would have forever been just a hole in the ground, right? Right, But yeah. because, because we looked at it, because we started digging into this mystery, that place now will forever be this mythical place right you know that that, that 
Termone that that you know Spiro Agnew was a part of Lester Burns and yeah. and, and and now it's 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 not a hole in the ground now it's this this place that signifies sort of the heart of this mystery and and I think that's an interesting element of this narrative and the mystery of, in, at large is the way that place is transformed and the way the story changes, you know what I mean? And, and oh, changes 100%. the people, you know, it's, it's, that's an element of this that, that I didn't expect to interact with, you know, but that's what makes it more real for me. I think is the way that, that it has unfolded organically, you know, right. and, um, and it is, I mean, it is a narrative. It's a narrative that's hard to, to wrap your mind around, but, uh, I don't know. It's almost like one of those, uh, what's it called? Um, ex- exquisite corpse. Oh, right. Where you right. Cut, you cut up the pieces and it doesn't matter how you combine them, you know, but, yeah. uh, and, and depending on how you combine them, it's an interesting look, you know, way to look at it. Um, but it, it has that element too, you know, which is a divinatory thing, you know? Right. So where do you go uh, from here? And uh, how is the uh, the Fawn film coming? That's good. So we're gonna we're gonna have that done this year. Sweet. Um, so I'm, we're hoping to release that. Um, co- you know, obviously COVID screwed up a lot of sure. that finishing that. Up. But um, and it's been weird doing the podcast. Um, you know, like working on the subsequent parts of it and not being able to interview people in person. Right. But, you know, but also it's it's just just the world we live in, you know, and that's a part of the story. I mean, if you think of the concept of pandemic and pan, uh, you know, that's kind of a weird, uh, yeah. you know, Dan, Dan likes to point that out, you know. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, but the Fawn films, it's, we've we've got most of it done. There's a little bit more to do um, uh, through the summer and then hopefully we'll release it in the fall after Penny Roll comes out. So that's exciting. That's, that's Dan's plan, and, and a lot of his works too. He's he started up a Patreon, and um, some of the early operas that he did, he's he has uh, brought them back. Like uh, the Stone Man is one of his early ones about uh, alchemy and elementals, and um, so that's going to be performed this uh, this summer, and I'm helping him with that as well. So, but yeah, but the Fawn film's almost finished, and then. Um, obviously he's going to be, you know, he's definitely a part of the second season as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, from here we're, we're just finishing up the interviews. Um, I've got a a few more people that I want to hit, um, through May and June. And then we just got to finish up the, the final editing on it. Boone Williams, um, who's in the band tiny, tiny, Mm -hmm. um, is my editor. And so he's editing again, and um, Phil Clanch is in Tiny Tiny with him, um, is composing the um, the soundtrack again. So we've got, you know, it's just it's 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 been a family affair. You yeah. Know, uh, Somerset has a a crazy weird clustering of very talented people as well. You know, that's that's um, the art scene here is is interesting for being you know a rural area, um, but there are a lot of people. So anyway. Um, but they're working on all that with me and working on the second season soundtrack and, you know, we're going to get it all done and then drop it on the, uh, 
the equinox, the fall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. Equinox. That is equinox. awesome. That is exciting. Yeah, I think it's gonna be cool, man. And um, and then once I get that done, I'm I'm gonna start on the third season and finish out. Kind yeah. Of the, but but I'm excited too because while I've been working on the second season, all kinds of weird stuff has happened. You know what I mean? And, sure. And then I think the the third season is gonna be gonna be interesting in what we what we find as we work on that as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm excited yeah. to f- tell the rest of what happened, um, especially with the documents and, and then all this other yeah. stuff that we've done, you know, we'll definitely um, have you back so you can talk a little more about second season. Once people can yeah. get out there and listen to it and what's going to go on for the third. And I will hopefully get out there and pester you at some point. Dude, you've got to come down here and see. Oh this. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's a moral imperative at this point. But, but yeah, and I'll introduce you to Dan. But yeah, yeah, uh, you have to. So, and I would love to come back on, man, and talk more because this has been a blast just chatting about. All oh, this absolutely. Stuff. But uh, I like to give guests, you know, just like Rojan does, a little bit of time to uh, go ahead and plug anything you'd like to plug. How can people find you? How can they join the Liminal Lodge? Uh, yeah, so. Um, you can go to the to listen to the podcast. Um, there's uh, pennyrollpodcast.com. Um, we're on all the platforms though. Um, you know, Apple Podcast and Spotify. I love yes. how Spotify. I, I like. I think Spotify looks great. You know, it does. <laughs> it does. Thing. Um. So so I highly recommend that. But uh, yeah, check out the show there. Um. If you want to join the Liminal Lodge and kind of uh, dig into the research that we've been doing and kind of see how the second season is, is, is coming together. Um, when there's, you know, dozens and dozens of hours of extra content from the first season that we've released, um, that all is, uh, can be found at patreon.com, uh, I think forward slash penny Royal. Um, but you can just look up the liminal lodge and you, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, um, definitely check that out. And, uh, yeah, yeah hopefully people will, uh, uh you know, kind of, you know, keep, keep, keep following yeah. along with the project, you know. Until, yeah, absolutely. Until, and so. we'll keep updating people again, if they're not on the Facebook group and you have access to Facebook, I know there's a lot of listeners outside the country and, uh, try and get onto the Facebook group. There's a lot of information that goes on there and you can discuss the episodes, ask questions, anything like that so you can just look up uh, bizarro aficionado podcast and you'll find our group there and i'll make sure to put all your links on there nate and uh they're in the show notes things like that and the people can check those things out i've been trying to get <laughs> through the facebook room and trying to get people to do their homework and check out some of the otter things and before they listen to the show but uh thank you so much for coming on this has been a blast Oh man, thank you for having me, dude. This is this has been a fun night. So. Definitely, and uh, hang on after I uh, hang up, quote unquote, yeah. here, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit more. But yeah, all right, everyone, sure. thank you, Nate, for being on, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. See you on the other side. Stay bizarro, everyone. Hi, Gaz here. Do you enjoy Bizarro Aficionado and would like to help out the show? No, don't worry. I'm not asking you for a dime. Just leave a comment, subscribe, or follow the show so you get each episode as it's uploaded. Comments really help the show, and subscriptions help it move up in the ranks among the other 4 million shows in the world. So be a gem, 
and leave a comment or like or follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, everyone. I'm Aaron, and I'll believe just about anything you tell me. And I'm Megan, and I won't believe a damn thing you say, unless maybe it's a Sasquatch. So my theory is so simple. Sasquatch. Oh, <laughs> because I don't believe it goes. However, a Sasquatch 100% is on the table. Join us while we read listener stories of spooky things that happened. Or so they say. And when he opened them, the woman was still standing in the doorway. They're supposed to go away when you open yes, your eyes. Yes, you close your eyes and then you open and then they're gone. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer will at least make you laugh. So tell us your stories and one of us is sure to believe. And most likely, we'll both mispronounce your words. Karen Goo, here's a word, here's a word. Oh, no. Oh, is no. this a typo? We can is this a word never, I've never heard of. Get away with it. Never. I know. I really, I hadn't <laughs> read this one. H A R A N G U E. Karen Goo. I'm going to need to see it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning so many words. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you really enjoyed part two with uh, Nathan Paul Isaac. And uh, we have a lot of big shows coming up, so there'll be one show every month right now. I, if I can fit into, I, I will try, but uh, right now it's one show a month. This one was special since it was two parts. Also in news, uh, the show now has a phone number. So if you have a story you'd like to tell or you just want to ask a question or tell me I suck or, you know, whatever, go ahead and give us a call. It's through Google Voice. The number's 302 709 one two zero nine and uh make sure you subscribe leave a comment wherever you get your podcast that really helps the show out and uh thanks for listening guys and i'll be back soon stay bizarro I've been